we are live. Welcome to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. It is Monday, January 27th. This is episode 14. I am Greg, joined as I am sometimes by a guy who shows up to this podcast about as much as Tiger shows up to tournaments. You show up for the big ones, but not for all of them. Zach, welcome back. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, guy. I missed one show. One, but thank you for welcoming me back. I feel better. I could have come and got you all sick. Thank goodness. That's what we would have wanted. Yeah. And to my right, the man on the ones and twos who uh, uses trash can bangs to let us know that the show's about to start. Josh, how's it going? That's me. I use the old uh, the old aluminum guys, you know, that you can't really fit more than one or two bags into. But I ready to go. Change up's coming. Change up is coming. The winds are changing. All right, well, we got a fastball coming for you guys in a jam-packed show here today. Um, Of course, uh, during our national segment, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the big news with the unfortunate passing of uh, Kobe Bryant yesterday in California. But uh, we got a lot of Ohio news to get through, Uh, you know, talking some some big signings and all the college basketball. Also talking some Hall of Fame and some baseball. And wrapping it up as we always do with some grumbling and some shout outs. But first, as we always do, to get through this week and I guess in sports just in general with some of the bad news yesterday, uh, be nice to open up a nice cold beer. Zach, it was your week. What are we drinking this week? Uh, we are drinking a Wally Post Red. Uh, Wally Post is a former Major League Baseball player, mostly in the 50s. Who could forget? Who could forget? He played for the Indians and the Reds. So um, this is by uh, Moeller Brew Barn in Maria Stein, Ohio, up near Salina. So Northwest Ohio. Finally got our Northwest corner. Yeah. Hey, hey, to, to Kobe. To Kobe. To Kobe. And... Maybe a little bit to my man Wally Post. Uh, what'd, you say, what'd you say earlier? He was the first uh, to first, do what now? First hit a home run at Dodger Stadium, so kind of a cool little footnote right. in history there. What a good one. Well, we're drinking the yeah. red. Um, impressed by it. That is good. Glad to have some. Oh, uh, that is very good. It is. Glad to have some Northwest Ohio beer, you know, hit popping up. Hitting all four up, corners. Hitting so. all four corners. Uh, not quite to Toledo, but certainly up in that area. So once again, if you have any beer suggestions, we will drink it. If it is something that you think is amazing, please send it in. If it's something that you think is really awful that you want us to try, we'll try send that it in. Too. Heck, we'll try it. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll drink just else. about anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Reply. As long as it's made in Ohio. Yep. And it's alcoholic. Yeah. Or it's beer, I guess. Yes. Um, but tweet at us. You know, find us on Facebook at 30 Rack Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Time to get things started. Josh, if you would hit that music. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, back on with had the a, music. Technical difficulty. Had a glitch in the system there. Well, someone who's not having a glitch in their system running on all cylinders and flying through the A-10 is your Dayton Flyers. The Flyers! Flyers stay at number seven in the AP poll, going 2-0 this week with wins versus St. Bonaventure and a win at Richmond against the Spiders. They've now won nine straight and are 7-0 in the A-10. Um, of course, Obi Toppin killing it the last couple games, uh, 18 and 24 points in his last two games. But uh, one of the big offensive stars has been uh, Jalen Crutcher, who had 
23 and 24 in the last two games. Uh, Dayton goes to Duquesne in Pittsburgh and then has Fordham this weekend. Guys, another impressive week for Dayton. So I guess the one question is, how long do you think they can keep it up and how high do you think they can get in the polls? Well, I mean, I think in the 8-10, I don't see that stopping. I mean, I think the question is, how far can they go in the tournament, right? Yeah. And where are they going to be seated? Um, <clears throat> I'm not Joe Lunardi, so I'm not going to try to take a stab at ranking teams. But, I mean... Joe Lunardi last week uh, had Dayton ranked as the last two seed, uh, eight seed overall in the tournament. Well... And that was as they were still a number seven last week. Yeah, so probably nothing changed there. I, <clears throat> um, I think, yeah, it's a team, you know, they have some depth, obviously. They have some pieces, and I think the big thing is you get into tournament time, you need that stud, right? I think right. that's sometimes you, you see some of these teams that are good, but they don't have, like, that go-to, and you have Obi Toppin. Um, I mean, oh, I mean, it'd be cool. I think anything can happen in these tournaments anymore, when we see it all the time. I mean, Final Four, I don't think, is something that would be out of the question. No, I don't think at all. And I think when you have to look at where you rank them now is you have to look at these individual performances. Because, yeah, they, they were at seven last week. They were at seven this week. And mm-hmm. we've talked about this before. How far can they go with just being an A-10 team? You know, it's just A-10 the rest of the way. Right. So you have to look at those little things. Um, but I think the one thing is that, I mean, kind of, I guess, hurt their ability to go up is none of the – None of the top seven changed. All the top teams right. won. Yeah. Right. And I will say the one thing is I understand they're an undefeated team, but they're not the only you know they're not the only mid-major team. There are actually three mid-major teams in the top seven. One being Gonzaga, who of course is always there, but also undefeated San Diego State out of the mm-hmm. Mountain West, checking in at number four. So a lot of the smaller schools making some waves. You know, Dayton obviously has some good wins, and if some of these teams falter and Dayton continues to look good you know a little bit of a close call against st louis last week but right have looked good mm-hmm. together you know neither of those games were, were really ever in doubt you know maybe a little bit close at richmond but you know pulled away for for an eight point win and of yeah. course the st bonaventure game was yeah, a blowout. yeah. They, they did blow a 20 point uh lead uh pretty quickly uh right at the end of that game uh they whittled it all the way down to six did richmond but mm-hmm. on the flip side of that dayton also held richmond to i think just 39.1 percent shooting from the field which uh, for Rich- Richmond's the uh, uh, best field goal shooting percentage team in the A10. Richmond's a good. They're in third place. They're a good team. Right. The A10, A10 has good yeah, teams. And they're, they're a good team. They're so. a. Uh, I mean, them, St. Louis. They're all kind mm-hmm. of cusp tournament teams. So wins over those are you know um, mm-hmm. quad one or quad two wins for people that don't know. That's usually winning top twenty five team in the nation at home, top seventy five team in the nation on the road. So those are certainly things that you know, uh, the selection committee will look at and hopefully, you know, if they can keep this up, give them a very favorable seed and, you know, possibly a very favorable region. I believe Cleveland is hosting some of them. So maybe, you know, in-state and whatnot. And that would be big for Flyers fans, you know, and big for the Flyers to give them an opportunity to move forward, you know, as Mm -hmm. they did a number of years ago when they were an Elite Eight team. But I think they probably have a better squad now than they did then. I mean, they have a bona fide, you know... um, lottery pick in Obi Toppin and, and Crutcher, you know, is is certainly no slouch. He's been very good for this team. Yeah, so. I mean when you talk about you have to have that 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 guy come March, I think yep. Dayton really has two guys in Toppin and Crutcher. I mean they both had really solid weeks of once again. Mm-hmm. You know, if one of them falters in one area, the other one's usually there to pick it up. Uh so 
I really like where the Dayton Flyers are. We've got two red hot teams in Dayton. We'll get to yeah, the other later. Yeah. But. Yeah. All right. Well, from one red hot team to one team that's sputtering, but did get maybe a little step, maybe a little crawl in the right direction. Take anything. Yesterday. Right now. Uh, Take anything right now. Ohio State, one and one this week. Uh, loss. 62-59 at home versus Minnesota on a, uh, I guess, a late three-point bucket. And then a uh, finally a bounce-back win, a 72-59 win at Northwestern. They now are 13-7, and 3-6 and six in the Big Ten in 11th place, and they have just two wins in their last eight. Um, I will say, you know, blowing a big, win, or blowing a big lead against Minnesota, um, up nine at the half, outscored 34-22 in the second half, and then... You know, as we just mentioned, trying to have that dude in March. Unfortunately, Caleb Wesson was not that dude against no. Minnesota. Just two points on one of ten from the field and no free throws. Zach, I mean, I, what's I, wrong with Ohio State I, at this point? I don't know. I think it's um, it's effort. It's uh, guys being mentally engaged in the game. I don't think it's anything they're like. Chris Holman didn't just, you know, once they went to that little break there at the end of the year, he didn't just change things up. Um, they're playing the same way, you know, but he just keeps preaching. I think you see it. There's times where there's lapses in effort and just guys not paying attention to what they're doing. Um, they still turn, even in the wind against Northwest, and they turn the ball over 13 times still. Yeah. Um, too much, too much of that. That's just lazy. And, it, like, unforced turnovers, not, like, steals like guys just throwing balls out of bounds people not paying attention dribbling off their foot um yeah and i think the one thing the one big stat from the northwestern game that i was kind of shocked about you know doing some some research after the game is the starters have really struggled i mean oh, yeah. like i said wesson was not good and actually in the northwestern game the bench outscored the starters by seven points and mm. usually you look you know the starters have a majority of the points but when you know no one's really going, everyone sh- you know the Wesson brothers aren't shooting well. I, I mean, uh, Young had a pretty good game, but you know a lot of the guys mm-hmm. are just struggling. And obviously, it's nice to have you know Nebraska at home, Northwestern on the road. Those are their two wins. But against any yeah. sort of competition, they've kind of faltered, that and was, they haven't been able to score a whole lot. The Minnesota game was just frustrating. Again, that's not a top tier team, and they and yeah they got swept by Minnesota this year. So. Well, and that was a point I was going to bring up, Greg. Is that the about the bench players outscoring the starters is that you're seeing that kind of trend especially with the Wesson brothers and a mm-hmm. lot of the starters where they're really just struggling to crack double digits oh, yeah. every week and it, it's great that you have that depth on the bench but like when you only have that average barely cracking double digit scoring the whole way down your roster like that's troublesome i mean we're talking yeah. about a team that went 6 and 7 in the months of december and january after they started 7 and 0 yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, at some point you have to f- go in there and fix those shooting mistakes. And I will say the yeah. past few times I've watched Ohio State play, the one word I'd use to describe them is uh, careless. Oh, There's just, just a lot of careless mistakes. So careless. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Um, you know, I think Chris Holtman's a great coach, and this is just very uncharacteristic of what you would see out of a Chris Holtman team. I don't know what's wrong with the West, and especially Cables. I have no no idea. He slimmed down this year. He looked good. He looked fit, and it's just like he's sluggish, and they don't have any kind and of his shooting. I mean, like we mentioned, his yeah. shooting's just not been good, you know. Uh, and the one thing that I will say with him being sluggish is, you know, in the Minnesota game, he had no free throws for being a big guy that should be banging around. Yeah. 
you should at least go to, the, to get you know, to the damn line. It's not like he's a three-point shooter that is like, all right, he's not really driving a lot. He's a guy that's banging around in mm. the middle. And some of that may be, you know, officiating in the Big Ten, but some of that's on yeah. him. You know, he should at least draw two fouls just based off just purely him being there to shoot right. free throws. So. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and not to knock Northwestern, but, I mean, I guess that's we'll take it, but it's not. they're not a good team. They're 1-8 in the Big Ten, 6-13 and 13 overall, so they're not – which is uncharacteristic of Northwestern, but they're yeah. rebuilding big time. Yeah, them and I mean them and Nebraska are their two wins in the last eight, and both of those are kind of the two bottom feeders. <laughs> yeah. that, you know, the two re- rebuilding clubs in that conference. Um, going from one team that's kind of you know falling out of the uh, tournament discussion to a team that's trying to climb back in in the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, Bearcats only one game this week, got the weekend off, beat Temple. 89 to 82 on the road behind uh, 37 points from the uh, Cumberland Cousins, uh, 18 points from Chris Vogt, and uh, 16, 11, and 5 from Trey Scott. So the one stat that really jumped out to me that kind of shows the evolution of this team is one, Jaron Cumberland, I think, only had like two points at halftime, had a bunch of points mm-hmm. in the second yeah. half, which is great to see him come around in form. But this is the most points that Cincinnati has scored in a conference game since an overtime game against Providence in 2011. Oh, wow. If that does not tell you how much this game is. Mick Cronin's offensive four guys staying around and. Yeah, Mick Cronin yeah. wants to beat you 54 to 50. Yeah. You yeah. don't score. It's still, it's still surprising, though, when you're considering they play D2 schools yeah, that's and a, stuff. Yeah, that's a wild it's, stat. It's in conference. Oh, sorry. You yeah, said conference in conference. Games, but yeah. even still, still, yeah. Even yeah. still yeah. you play ECU. You play, right. you know, I mean, Tulane's better this year, but yeah. you play a lot of, you know, you play a couple of, I guess, cupcake teams mm-hmm. over the years and did not have scored, you know, Anywhere close to that is ridiculous. So I mean, it's pretty nice though to see where the bear the Bearcats have a huge week this week. They've got uh, SMU at home tomorrow. Uh, they're home all week, SMU, and then Saturday they have twenty one ranked Houston. Uh, so big games there. Uh, definitely, I think the Bearcats put themselves in position to mm-hmm. get get the conference bid for the tournament if they can beat Houston. Um, plenty of work to be done after that. Still. Um, but they're winners of the four of, the, of their last five. And like you said, Greg, I mean, you finally got guys scoring. Um, that game against Temple, uh, though, 28 for 34 at the line. So 28 points from the line is it's huge. Is a huge. huge. And that was one of the things that really neutralized Temple. If you look at you know Temple's three-point shooting, especially in the first half, I think they were something like 66% or something from – the from the three-point line Temple was in the first half. So it was just, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, um, you know, riding that wave and just getting through it because a lot of the times, as we mentioned with the Mick Cronin teams, if someone was hot oh, from yeah. three and you'd see it in tournaments or you'd see it in random games, you were just done because there just wasn't enough offensive firepower or mm-hmm. anything to to get it done. But it's one of those things where they were able to keep up scoring with the team and they played some more low-scoring games, but they're able – they're able to compete in those games where it's, you know, score 80-plus points. And that's, I think, one of the very nice growths of this team that, you know, they've gotten in trouble in certain situations where they can't Mm -hmm. keep up with those teams. So certainly a a step in the right direction. 
their position, right? They're tied for third. Yeah, it's yeah. It's really there's like five teams yeah, up there. there. There's yeah. like yeah. a five-way race right now yeah. for the conference, but I mean, these next two weeks are going to really yeah. define. Yeah, I mean, race. they you know they start to. I think they have a game against Wichita coming up. Yeah. You know, uh, Connecticut hasn't been good, but going to Connecticut's are always tough. So, yeah. you know, a lot of difficult games coming up, and you know they're going to have to win. Most, if not all, of these games, if they want to, you right. know, squarely get back in the tournament They've conversation. They've left a very small Margin. room for yeah. error, you know. So, but yeah. it's well, also going to heat up though uh, in uh, the MAC in the Horizon that we have to get to, and then we'll get to some uh, recent signings. The Bro Horizon, yeah. some, some pucks, and yeah. some I'm some other that. basketball. But all the Bro Horizon. Right. Well, we're going to start off. We're going to start set. off in the MAC, and actually, one of the teams that. Handed UC a loss. It seemed like a really bad loss at the time, but has gotten a little bit better. One of the hottest teams in Maction, the Bowling Green Falcons, winners of six straight with wins over Eastern Michigan and Toledo. They are now 15-5, and 6-1 and one in the MAC, tied for first place with Akron. Uh, Bowling Green has been pretty good this year, and they're one of the teams that, you know, we keep saying if you have guys that can score and in tournaments, if you have mm-hmm. experienced guards, they have three guards that are upperclassmen that average more than 13.5 points a game and Turner Fry and, and Plowden. So they've been a team that's been able to outscore a lot of people, and that's kind of the MO in the MAC mm-hmm. is, you know, just get the points to get it done. Uh, Akron has, you know, four players with 10-plus points per game. So both those teams, high-scoring, high-flying, both 6-1, and one tied for first place in the MAC East and you know coming up here in a couple weeks they're going to face each other in Akron which one of these teams do you guys see kind of coming out on top Zach I'm gonna go with Akron I I just they're the uh the blue bloods of the MAC if you will I'm gonna I think you know you got to take down the take down the Kings first so I I trust them more um you know their coach has been there forever um who, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, sorry. That sounds bad. Yeah, but, um, you know, they have the experience. I'm going to go with them um, until Bowling Green proves me wrong. Yeah, I, I think I think I'd have to take Akron. I mean, we talked about – we ran through Bowling Green stats. Ak- Akron, uh, they uh, defeated Miami 81-60 to this week and then narrowly got away from the Ohio Bobcats as they rallied late last night, uh, just beating Ohio 88-86. to uh, and they're at Buffalo and back in Akron for uh, the Rubber City matchup uh, with Kent. Uh, they got L.C. Jackson, who's got eight, averaging 18.5 points per game, shooting 47% from the field. They got the cheese, man. And they've got the cheese, man, 14.5 points per game, nine rebounds per game. So both of these teams are very good in the MAC right now. I just Very senior-laden guards, yeah. which is very important. Yes, yes, and I think they both have the depth to go. Um yeah, I like Akron. Akron did uh, receive one, one, count it, one vote in the AP poll this week. Um, it'll be interesting. They still have to play each other twice, Bowling Green and Akron do. Um, so, I mean, that'll pretty much decide it right there. Right. But also to get John back. John Gross. John Gross, the, the longtime. Former Ohio State Buckeyes assistant coach, then yeah. Ohio University head coach. He was the coach when they went to the uh, Sweet 16 and yep. then what, coached at Illinois. Coach at Illinois, yeah. He, uh, he has go. two Mac tournament championships in 2010 and 2012 so he's certainly a guy that knows how to win in the mac uh was kind of put in a tough situation 
in Illinois, but oh, now you yeah. can kind of see them start to turn it around a little bit. Yeah. So he's a guy that knows how to win in the MAC. Um, from the MAC to the Bro, the bro Rising, the Bro Rising, um, Thanks, huge Greg. game in the Bro Rising on Friday night. It's quite the atmosphere down in the uh, in the Nutter Center. At the Nutter Center, the top two teams in the Horizon, uh, Northern Kentucky, who was in second place going into the game, going to Dayton to play the Wright State Raiders and. Wright State looked. controlled this game from the tip, winning 95-63. to 63. Uh, Their team versus Northern Kentucky, they were up 20 points at halftime, just kept rolling. They shot 61% from the field, 55% from three-point, all starters with 11-plus points. I mean, this was just I, – I, I caught some of this game, and it was just – exactly what you want to say out of your team good ball movement really kept down northern kentucky and just everybody was hitting mm-hmm. shots hitting threes getting where they wanted to go on the court hit, getting open shots i mean this right state team is a team that made the tournament last year upset northern kentucky mm-hmm. in the tournament but they're a team that seems primed to do it again and a lot of a lot of times in the horizon you'll see the you know the seeds 15, four, I think there were 14 last mm-hmm. year. They could seriously be a team that could get, you know, one of those 12 or something oh, seeds. Yeah. They're certainly a team that I would not want to play as a five seed in March. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they had they had six guys that were double digits in scoring. Uh, Tanner Holden on the season is shooting 58.5% from the field. 58.5% from the field. Um, so, yeah, they've got a lot of guys that can shoot the ball. Um, and like you said, Greg, they're starting to put together a string of games that are just very sound, complete games. Um, so mm. the, the city of Dayton, Ohio, right now has has a lot of uh, great basketball on their hands. It'd be it's nice awesome. if they would have that, you know, little crosstown shootout. They don't, they don't do that, but you know, with Dayton and Wright State. I, w- I mean, heck, I would love to see so many more of well, the Ohio yeah. teams play. You know, John Brandon was an assistant coach to Anthony Grant, the Day- Dayton head coach, when they were both yeah. at Alabama. Would love to see more, you know, UC Dayton, UC mm-hmm. Wright State, stuff like that. At this point, would love to see the best play the best in, in Ohio. You know, it's not about tur- – you know, it's, some of it's about tournament, but, hey, you know, if you beat the, one of the best teams in the horizon or you beat, you know, Dayton or you play a close game against one of those teams – that's right. going to help everybody involved because oh, yeah. I would certainly rather see Cincinnati play I mean, Dayton than a lot of other schools and would certainly rather see them play Wright State than, you know. I mean, Ohio's probably got else. the best college basketball right now. I mean, well, I mean just, just statewide. Look at, look at Bowling Green. I think yeah. Bowling Green's like a great example of how, yeah, they're just a MAC team. but And I know it was a neutral tournament thing, but they still had that matchup with Cincinnati. They ended mm-hmm. up beating Cincinnati. Heck, they had a game against 22-ranked LSU early in the season, and they yeah. ended up losing that game, but they played close. a good— Yeah, it was yeah, close. It was they close. played a good game. So, yeah, I mean, we're really starting to see— and we talked about this weeks ago when we did our uh, college basketball— well, I guess months ago now. Yeah. Our college <laughs> basketball preview show, and we just ran through all these teams, and we were like, there's not really a bad team on here. So it just yeah. I think we're really starting to see Ohio kind of come back into its own for basketball. It's awesome. No, it's yeah. great. Certainly cool to see, you know, some of the, uh, I guess, quote-unquote mid-major teams do well. Yeah, from, I guess except one team. From <laughs> one mid-major team to uh, what some of us might describe as another mid-major team in the Xavier Musketeers. They come in at 13-7, and 2-5 and five in the Big East. That's good for seventh. Uh, a win versus Georgetown, 66-57, to 57, but then a loss at uh, 
ranked Creighton 77-66 on uh, Saturday. So the one interesting stat for Xavier going into this year is the one thing that was preached by new coach Travis Steele and, you know, kind of talked about by the media is that, well, Cincinnati might be more the offensive team and, and mm-hmm. Xavier might be more of the defensive team. And that's really shown for Xavier. When allowing under 70 points this year, Xavier is 11-1. and one. Wow. If they allow more than 70, Xavier's 2-6. and six. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's, that that's, explains it all right that, there. That, and how it works for a defensive yeah, team. Their yeah. two games allowing, the two games that they won that they allowed more than 70 was uh, a game against uh, Green Bay that they, you know, way outscored them and they mm. got some points late and then a double overtime win against UConn. So <laughs> the one thing about that is they're a defensive team, but they're also a team that doesn't play a whole lot of people. They've only played seven in their last two games. So it's one of those things where you're trying to keep up this defensive intensity but you don't have the depth. Some of the transfers haven't really worked out. And it's shown when you kind of, you know, when when the rubber hits the road mm-hmm. playing some of these conference games that they haven't been very good. And it doesn't get much easier for them coming up. Uh, this week they play versus Marquette, who they lost to by 20 on the road to. And then they go to uh, top 10 ranked Seton Hall, who they lost to at home by 16. So... Uh, not exactly greener pastures no, ahead no, for no, Xavier. No. Um, but, I mean, they are, are currently, I guess, as of Friday, were in Joe Lenardi's last, I believe, uh, first four out. They were fourth on that list. Yeah. Do you it, think Xavier's a tournament team, guys? I, I, think, I think if they go on a good stretch here, but the odds of that happening, I think, are so low because of how they're tough, like the tough yeah, stretch yeah. they have ahead. Um, but... That's the problem when you have a team like this that if you can't get it done defensively, then it's over, like plain and simple. Yeah. Uh, and it, the numbers the numbers show that. I mean, you don't have anybody on. You're only playing seven guys. You don't have – you maybe two of those guys can shoot in Najee Marshall and Tyreek Jones. But, th- I mean, otherwise you don't have any player on this team that is shooting over 40% from the three. Zach Fremantle shoots a, a 40.1% from the three. Yeah, and he hasn't even played in and some yeah, of the he, games. He hardly plays at all. So mm-hmm. you're not getting any, like, deep-range guys. Mm-hmm. You you have two guys that can drive in and make baskets. But other than that, like, if the defensive thing doesn't work out, if you get a team that can wear you down, then it's over. You, you don't have anyone that can shoot, and you don't have any depth. Yeah. And that's why I don't think Xavier can be a tournament team. Well, no, it, you got to hope it, the guy when you're playing seven guys that's going to get hurt. Yeah, you're gonna miss a few exactly. games. Now you're down to six, or you gotta start rotating somebody that's, else. In. That's what I'm saying. One yeah. one thing goes wrong, you go on one little drought, and, right. and it's over. That's done. I don't think they're turn. No, they're not a tournament team. No, I didn't. I mean, we're at 13 wins now. Yeah, but just kind of how up and down and at times they've been. And I just think you're starting to wear down. They might be fighting to win 20. Yeah, and I think the one thing that's kind of tough is you look at last year, there was a lot of hope at the end of the year because they went on a run, didn't quite make the tournament, went into the NIT, but they're a team that's relying on, you know, a couple couple of older guys uh, that, you know, have kind of been up and down, uh, you know, Gooden and whatnot has not been what we thought he would be at this point. And then they're relying on a lot of transfers from places like, you know, OU, 
uh, San Jose State, some of those lower, you know, leagues where you expect them to be able to, you know, they're the guy and you expect them to at least be contributors at the high major level. Yeah. And they just haven't been. And, you know, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm sure you'll learn. And they have, you know, Fremantle and they have uh, Kiki Tandy, who have both been guys that, you know, are freshmen that have mm-hmm. contributed in spurts. And maybe they'll be better next year, but they're going to have to figure out one get transfers that can make impact uh two play defense and three you know find someone to score yes recruiting yep so i they they definitely turn the corner in a couple years but this is not this is not the year so no no shall we move on to another struggling basketball yeah (laughs) from the from the college ranks to the pro ranks to a team that is uh struggling more than any of the college teams the cavaliers finished this week 0-3, 0-3, all at home, losses to uh, some of the worst teams in the league in the Knicks, the Wizards, and the Bulls, now have lost seven straight and 12 of the last 14. This is their fourth losing streak of five or more games. Um, really, the big issue has been the third quarter. Um, you know, as we mentioned last last week, they had a number of leads going in, and they've they ended up losing a lot of those games. The Knicks game, they were up one at half. They ended up scoring 36 points in the second half. Uh, for Chicago, they were down two at the half, and they were outscored 40 to 19 in the third quarter. So, oh Jeez. I mean, yeah. I guess I- he, the question of the day is, I mean, is it just young guys not being prepared? Is it coaching? Is it I mean, just I, figuring things is it out? Will to play? I mean, I look at some of these final scores. I mean. 109 to uh, 113 against the Grizzlies, 116 to 118 against the Bulls. Like, like, how are you letting yeah. games slip away that closely from you? Like, well, when I, they're just by one or two baskets, I mean, how do you look at yourself and be like, we had the lead at halftime mm-hmm. and lost by a bucket or two? I think it's a young team just trying to get to the All Star break yeah. at this point. Yeah, just trying to get there. Um, I I would have thought. We would have continued to see them take positive steps in the right direction. It seems like they've kind of, I don't even say take a step back, they've seemed complacent um, with where they're at, or at least as a team. Yeah, they seem to haven't, they haven't been able to put a, a full game together. You know, you look at the Knicks game, they shot 34%. They only let 106 points in, which I know seems like a lot, but in today's None. NBA, yeah, you true. know, uh, Washington, they gave up. It, and the, the thing is, that I wanted to mention with the 34% is it's not the same thing. So you can tell that they have some promise. You Mm -hmm. know, they didn't shoot well against the Knicks, but they played decent defense. But then against Washington, they shot better, but they gave up 55% shooting. Chicago, they played a good half, but then let it get out of hand. And Mm -hmm. then also, you know, um, with the undersized guards, with the young guards in Sexton and Garland, if you have a good guard on the other side, they can – crush you on the offensive end and that was shown uh zach levine his last two games versus cleveland he's averaging 43 points per game on 57 percent shooting so certainly it's uh, just a roster that's not there yet yeah and with the coach still trying i think to figure it out yeah a first year coach trying to figure it out uh you know a couple rookies trying to figure it out um we're missing kevin porter jr Mm -hmm. who is a rookie who will be back tonight in the lineup um Obviously, Dylan Windler out for the year, and then some guys like Dante Exum coming over from trades and a potential for a whole lot going on with the trade deadline coming soon. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see uh, what's going on there. there from 
The, I was just going to say, we Zach, you had mentioned it beforehand. There was a great article uh, from oh, yeah. uh, uh, the uh, the plane dealer up in Cleveland. I can't remember who the writer Terry was. Pluto. Yes, Terry thank Pluto. Terry Pluto. Um, but it was, uh, if you had to go back, uh, would uh, John Beeline do it all again and come to the Cavs? And it's just a great article. It is and a good You and read. I both agreed. I don't know how you feel about it, Greg, but. I don't think he would. I don't. No. I don't think. I was shocked when he took it. No, too much. Too yeah. much crap going on, and unless something really changes, uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. So, from the coldest professional sports team in Ohio to the hottest professional sports team in Ohio, on ice. On ice. The Whoa. Jackets uh, only had one game this week before the All Star break. A four-three win versus Winnipeg to get them to a six-game winning streak. Um, interesting, kind of weird stat for them. They played Wednesday, so they played the last day before the All-Star break. All-Star break was this weekend. Some teams come back Monday. Jackets don't play again until Saturday. So, well, how does that work? Uh, ample rest, at least, for them. How does that work? That's like no a idea. huge uh, skip. What? That has, I have no idea. But uh, quick shout-out also to uh, the two All-Stars from the Jackets, uh, Seth Jones defenseman who had uh one goal in the metropolitan divisions nine to five loss and then Eunice Kerpasalo, who was hurt the goalie did not get a chance to play but certainly cool to have that two all-stars cool. and you know what what might be a down uh year uh probably the most memorable honestly the most memorable uh jackets point from the all-star game was Seth Jones accidentally posing with the wrong squad oh yeah for, for the pictures, accidentally posing with the Atlantic Division, and then having to get shooed away to uh, <laughs> to sit with the Metropolitan Division. So, for those of you, and I'm assuming there's quite a few, yep, that didn't watch the NHL All Star Game. I didn't even know what was going on. Uh, they play three on three hockey, and they play I knew that. both divisions, yeah. and then then a final. So, uh, cool to see the Jackets. Obviously, not a whole lot going on this week, but a six game winning streak after the break. Hopefully they come back refreshed and uh, interested to see how the second half of the well, season yeah, goes. And, and keep in mind, they have so many guys on injury that are just, just going to, in theory, they're going to get healthier and they're going to have a lot of their main guys mm-hmm. coming back. So, like, a lot of this has been with backups and emergency guys on the yeah. ice. Yeah, a lot of so, a lot of uh, the Cle- the AHL Cleveland Monsters roster has been up there, but getting Bjorkstrand back, getting Atkinson back, and then, you know, possibly getting Corpusalo back in the next week or two. It's a break at a perfect time, you know, even though they were rolling, it's nice to have a break to kind of get guys rested mm-hmm. and ready to go for the second half of the Definitely. season. Well, I uh, believe we have some signings to get to. Yeah, so we're actually going to stay in Columbus for the first signing. Um, first off, the Columbus crew uh, signed a player off waivers. It is Fernando Adi, who was signed off waivers from FC Cincinnati. Uh, no word on his salary yet, but uh, I guess... Um, he was the first MLS signing by FC Cincinnati, was a designated player making more than a million dollars. Um, whatever Columbus pays him, which will probably be very little, will be taken off Cincinnati's books, but still kind of a punch in the face for FCC fans. Um, Addy is reunited with his manager in Portland, Caleb Porter. He had 51 goals and 112 appearances for Portland. Uh, but last year with FCC had one goal in 12 appearances and had as many goals as DUIs. So Josh, <laughs> being the FCC guy, 
in this room. Uh, thoughts on the signing? Uh, when I first saw it, I like I like laughed, uh, and then I was like, really like that. So I I mean I guess it's it's needed depth at uh, the striker position for Columbus behind uh, Jassy, but. But yeah, it's it's pretty weird, um, and I don't know. I look forward to it. I hope he gets some playing time uh, during the Hell Is Real Derby because that would be quite the uh, interesting storyline there. But it, it's not so much a punch in the face to FC Cincinnati because whatever little Columbus does pay him will be taken off of the FC Cincinnati books, so it's not going to cause a huge salary hit for uh, FC Cincinnati in 2020. But certainly gives us an interesting storyline to follow for the Hell is Real Derby. Yeah, as the as the crew fan on this side of the podcast, um, and kind of an interesting signing. The funny thing was to see all the uh, deleted comments that crew fans had written about Adi, you know, <laughs> after the DUI and everything. But you know, for for a very cheap signing and a guy that had a lot of success in Caleb Porter's system, I guess at least worth a waiver. Um, if he doesn't work out, doesn't really cost us go. a lot, but. Uh, I guess kind of a target on our back for Cincinnati that I don't know either of us really yeah, need right. at this point with both teams trying to kind of get out of the uh, basement in the MLS. So will be interesting to see uh, MLS season gets started uh, end of February. So in mid to late February, I'm sure we'll be doing an MLS uh, preview. Much to can't the- wait. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Much guys. to the delight. Of Zach going from Columbus to Cincinnati, um, or I'm sorry, actually going from Columbus to Cleveland. Big yeah, signing here. The Browns have a GM. Browns make Andrew Barry their GM. He will be the youngest GM in the NFL at 32 years old and the second black GM in the league. Uh, for those Browns fans that may recognize the name Andrew Barry, he was the VP of player personnel Andrew from Barry, 16 to Andrew 18. Barry. He now leads an all Ivy League uh, front line for the Browns with Andrew Barry and Paul D. Podesta being Harvard guys and head coach Kevin Stefanski being a Penn guy. Um, the most worrisome part of this is there was a quote that all three of those will report to the Haslam's as equals. Uh, I guess, Zach, two thoughts. One, Barry is a GM and two... This um, stupid structure that the Haslam's I, are instituting. I mean, I think the Andrew Barry, um, I liked it on its face. Um, you know, obviously, he's a really smart guy. You know, moved to Philadelphia, and Philadelphia been up and down, but they've always had a very good, I think, in my opinion, a good front office as far as how they go about doing things in Philadelphia. Um, so I think bringing him back, I, th- I like the hire. Um, I just, you know, I mean, we all know everything works best when, you know, you've got all sorts of people just reporting to the owner, and it, that doesn't... A meddling owner works does, out so well. Just look at Jerry it Jones, It doesn't Dan make Snyder. sense to me, man. Like Mike they, Brown. It sounds to me, and based on the statement, I read the statement too, like it sounds like they're all three equal, and they just report to him. Like, that's not how... That's why don't, things don't work right. That's why things don't happen right. Jimmy Haslam then, needs to be making... Absolutely zero decisions. Well, yeah, he needs to be making no decisions. But if you want, I mean, it should be D. Podesta, Barry, and then Stefanski. And they should each answer up to the other one with the one above them having a higher level of authority. It sounds to me like this is going to be one where you got three guys making inputs on stuff. I don't know. Just once again, I think it's going to be a mess. Yeah, I will say the one thing that's nice is it seems like at least all these guys kind of have the same school of thought, which is nice. Yeah. But also... 
you will have the problem for tiebreakers. Tie who what I who mean. breaks yeah. the tie if it ends up being, you know, three different thoughts and then Haslam has to break it? We're in for a lot of trouble again this year. So we, yeah. we know he makes great decisions running businesses too. Uh-oh. From a player standpoint, I think it's great. I mean, these guys are very well liked by players. Mm-hmm. I just think the structuring of it, as yeah. as usual, you it's just sh- can't put both. They, they just can't. Why don't they, they just do what everybody else does? They can't always. They just can't win. Every good thing they do, they have to they like have to nullify with yeah. with yeah. several steps in the wrong direction. I don't get it. Alrighty, on to. Segments as we deal with one no. more. What we have a signing? Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess, into into the, I guess it ties into that. Our yeah. last signing from the city of Cincinnati, the Red sign Nicholas Castellanos to a four-year, sixty-four million-dollar deal, which is tied for the largest ever with the Mike Mustakas deal. Uh, opt-outs after twenty 2020 twenty <laughs> and twenty twenty-one. Uh, last year, split between Detroit and the Chicago Cubs, he hit. 289 with 27 homers, uh, league-leading 58 doubles and 100 runs. Josh, this has got to be, I mean, it's got to be awesome for you guys, finally getting some big signings in here, maybe taking a step forward for the franchise. It's really cool. Uh, This is definitely the best offseason the Reds have ever had in my lifetime. I'd say maybe one of their best offseasons ever um, because they're spending money. Uh, not known to really do that, and I've, that's our second $64 million deal, like you said. Um, we also got Wade Miley, um, you know, a couple— Shogo. Shogo Akiyama, a couple, uh, two bullpen guys. So I think if you could get one—I'm I, I, being greedy. I still want one more um, because— Yeah, you greedy bastard. I'm sitting over here the $6 million guy. <laughs> Well, because then at this point you could – because you have all these outfielders now. Like you have the piece to make the trade now. I don't think you need to – I don't think there's another free agent signing to make. Mm. Um, well, the other thing is now you kind of have a crowded outfield with a lot of players that are out of options except for Aristides Aquino who should probably be starting the year in MLB. Yes. But now you have Shogo, Senzel, Castellanos, uh, Aquino, Irvin, Winker – I mean, I'd what's be, the next step? I'd, I guess with Castellanos, yeah. I mean, he hit 289 last year with 27 home runs. Uh, he's he's one of five MLB players with 70 plus extra base hits in each of the last three seasons. Uh, so definitely worth it. If he didn't have these opt outs after the, the first two, weird. I understand why they're there um, for a guy like him. Like, if it doesn't like, yeah, he's what 28. He's 32. Or, oh, okay. Right? Still. Look that up, Greg. Still a guy like that who's, you know, playing the free agent market right now. Mm-hmm. Like, if he has a huge year in Cincinnati, then yeah, get out and take 27. it. 27. Oh, he's that okay. young. See, Whoa, see, I'm there, way, I was way off. off. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I was way off. So I he's definitely it. still going to be able to play the market if he right. has a really good year. Um, but then on the other hand, two years on least. the other hand, if he stays here, $64 million for four years. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, now that I know he's 27, I don't know where I got 32. When I was thinking 32, I was like, eh. but no, yeah, it's a good signing. I'm jealous as hell. I'm uh, much more open to trading Senzel now. Um, I'd be even way more open to trading Senzel if there weren't these opt-outs in there. But If I, was, if I were you, I'd be very worried about opt-outs based yeah. on uh, yeah. what I just read, considering he has opted out of other things after a year. Including his marriage, which Ooh. he was only married for a year. So I don't know if I would trust him to stick around for 
more than a year. So. I'm not. That's why, like, if if you want to go all in on it this year, then yeah. But like, if you want to go longevity, then maybe I would maybe not make a trade right now. Or maybe just flip some of the outfield guys yeah. for some prospects right. or something like that, just to kind of clear up the roster a little bit. Well, will be interesting to see what they do. And <laughs> speaking of the opting out after one year, whether it be for marriages or for <laughs> contracts, we're going to get into our Ohio segment where we're talking opt-outs. Opt-outs. Guys. Opt-outs. What in your life have you or would you want to opt out after one year? Zach, do you have anything? Our friendship. Ooh. Oh, wow. Ding, 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 oh, ding, wow. ding, 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 ding. Zing. Uh, Zach Zinger's coming early today. Something... That's honestly the first thing that popped out. I'm just kidding. Um, in real life, what I could opt out of? Uh, smoking. Mm. I wish. That's a good one. That is a good one. Uh, HBO. Uh, because, like, you can get on HBO. You can't just cancel that at any time. Well, yeah, but, like, if you get on it for a year, you watch everything that's on there, that's enough time to watch everything. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's fair. It. Yeah. You know? Right. Easy enough. Certainly true, but then you start to get committed to some of the shows you got to wait for the next year game of thrones coming out new season of succession coming out or something like that then you want to get back on on the bus so certainly difficult uh i know coming from my younger years and honestly something now opting out of morning class after my first year had a number of eight or nine a.m classes my first year of college after that i was like Morning. Oh, I didn't sign yeah. up for morning. Maybe classes. not me. Yeah, I did an eight a.m. class and once, and I quickly opted out of that. That was not fun. You know what? You know what I would regularly opt out of though. I know a lot of people have been doing this in Ohio lately after a year. Bengals season tickets. Oh, hey oh, hey um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, not on that Burrow train. Everybody's gonna be opting back. Oh yeah, in. I mean, I'll get them. I'll get them again this year, but then, you know. Traditionally, you opt out after a year because who would want to take another year? But. So I guess the other thought piggybacking on that is what kind of contract would you like an opt-out clause after a year, whether it be a marriage, a mortgage, a job, uh, Bengals season tickets? <laughs> uh, probably a job. Job. Yeah. Job. Yeah. Jobs would be nice if they came with an opt-out Well, here's after the thing. It's at-will employment, though. I, I could leave my job That's tomorrow. Fair. That's fair, yeah. I kind of have an opt-out. Um... I don't car loan. How many people buy a car and after a year oh like goodness, I fucking yeah. hate this car? That would be a good one. Yeah, we we'll, would love to be able to do that, but usually unless you're doing the lease, usually well, you know, yeah. your car's worth That's about half at that lease. point. Yeah. So would love to see that. Uh would love to see any of your guys' opt-out choices on like the Jelly of the Month Club. Because they say that that's the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> the whole year round. But, like, after a whole year of 12 different jellies, like, how much jelly are you Besides eating? Christmas Vacation, I've never even heard. Are you a part of the Jelly of the Month Club? No, I've been I offered. You. I've you been, been offered, Where do you yeah. get offered Jelly of the Month Club? I was approached by a man on the street. Shut the fuck up. I, Some guy hey came man. on you yeah. from the street. Yeah. Where? He's got, they have booths set up in places sometimes. Where? Hamilton. This sounds like a place that would have yeah, Jelly exactly. Club booths. All right. On Bar- amazingclubs.com, there's a four and a half star rated jam and jelly of the month. I didn't even know there were 12 different kinds of jam or jelly, so. I don't even like jam. Yeah, like I like jams, but not that much. <laughs> All right, well, be sure to tweet out what you would like to opt out Definitely of after not a, a year. Preserves guy. <laughs> or I guess your favorite jam or no. jelly of the month at 30 Rack Podcast. 
on Twitter and Facebook too. Save us from jam, jelly, and preservative. Sorry, I got us jammed up there. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, I've Josh bro- needs I, to be canceled. I broke Greg with my puns. All right, thank I'll goodness. Myself. All right, I'll shut down now. Um, well, unfortunately, from some happy thoughts, from some fun thoughts with jams and jellies of the month. Actually, before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit more beer. Yeah, we got to talk about this beer. Uh, Some very happy thoughts. It is. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, an American Red. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a beer with a delicious hop juiciness, a complex malty backbone, and a catch-in-the-rye malt spiciness. That's clever. Uh, I'm, I don't, I'm in a punny mood today. One that carries the name of a local baseball legend. That it does. It's got a nice malt to it, obviously. The nice uh, red flavor. Not too overpowering, a very nice taste, very it's on style. Got a little spice in there. A little spicy. Yeah, it's very good. The uh, the Wally Post Red from Maria Stein, Ohio, the Molar Brew, Molar Brew Barn. Shout out Maria Stein. And I do like the little uh, rooster logo. That's yeah, nice. that's a cool logo. Very, and very it's, it's got the uh, it's got the wood. I'm supposed to be a, that's like a bat. Oh yeah, yeah, I didn't even oh, notice hey. that. Yeah. Yeah, I did not notice that at all. Wow, figuring out new things here and there. Uh, Speaking of beer, got some beer news. Yeah, I've got some beer news, um, and I really hope this doesn't happen. Uh, There's there's a bill in the Ohio Senate right now. Sports betting? No, no, unfortunately. Ohio Senate Bill 115. You got a problem, sir. Uh, And basically what it is is... It is pretty much trying to ban anyone under the age of 21 from even setting foot in a uh, brewery or alcohol establishment. So like, now, why why are things allowed for 75 years right. and then we're like, you know what, now. And so the whole thing is is to curb underage drinking and it's like, okay, fine, but like you have to understand that there are so many like local craft breweries out there that market themselves as like a family friendly place. Below is a big one. Yeah, like at 13 Below. I saw this story about someone posted on Facebook about I wouldn't do this, but they had their four year old's birthday party at Mad Tree. Yeah. You know, not my choice, but like still yeah. a nice place to yeah, get together and everything. There. And also, yeah, like uh, I went to Sonder over this weekend in Mason, a brewery that we've shouted out, and there were kids, you know, there's pizza there's food there kids are running around it's not about drinking it's about just enjoying it it's some family time they have the nice picnic tables you know during the summer you have a place for kids to run around i don't understand it i understand i didn't go to a bar to get served you know what i did i me and my friends scrounged up some cash went down to the speedway and stood outside till the sketchiest looking guy came up and then we would ask him to buy his beer that's how we got beer I don't know who's going into bars and being yeah, served underage. I don't know. That's who's, way more dangerous. Yeah, I don't know who's going into these craft breweries and stuff like that. When you know the 19, 20 year olds that I know that try to get into the bars, try to get into the shady little bars and maybe get a drink or something. But honestly, this is one of those laws that I think is going to do a lot more damage damage yeah, than it is. it is good. So a lot of uh, people from uh, State of the Brunion, uh, Ohio Craft Brewers Association um, have looked at this and um, an aid from the legislation's uh, primary sponsor, Senator Tina 
Merith uh, from District 3 said that the bill is likely to be revamped so that businesses aren't the target of the legislation. Then what um, are we that targeting? That's exactly, exactly what you're targeting. What are we targeting? And, you know, like we've got 328 independent craft breweries in operation, at least 72 more known to be in the planning stages. And, heck, I've gone to breweries in Ohio that have, like, little areas right. for kids and stuff for kids to do and everything. Yeah. It's not like you're, you know, being like, here, kid, drink this, drink five beers. <laughs> drink you know, five like, it, and and the a, other thing is you look at it. You know, a lot of the kids are just trying to find a way to get liquor or something else yeah. to, to get served. Being, I mean, all of us were 18 or 19 at one time. Do you want to, when you were 18 or 19, did you want to drink a nice oh, IPA? Yeah. No, no, that's the thing. You were trying to get like a handle of liquor or yeah. like bush light. Yeah, no 16 yeah. year olds going in trying to get your craft imperial from you. No, like, they're, no, just, they're no. just trying to get some, you know, some cheap vodka or some soco or something that they can just put down as quickly well, as possible. Those district three voters, hey, pay attention. That's your rep. Yeah, it's I yeah. So for just wanted to make that aware mm. to all our listeners because like I didn't brew, know about that's crazy. Brew, brewing is a part of uh, Ohio's history and heritage and everything. It's a big like part. and it's a part of people's lives. And yeah. I think this would be destructive to people's lives, families that are brewers and everything. Yeah. Like your kids literally can't come to your business at all anymore. Right. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, honestly, you know, maybe drinking and spending time with your kids, maybe, I don't know, some people may think poorly of that, but it's honestly some family time. Go out Saturday, go to a nice brewery, you know, get a chance for the kids to run around, have a beer or two, drink in moderation, and just have some time to spend together. My grandpa used to take me to bars with him when I was little. How I was allowed in a bar, a college bar, I don't know, but... Yeah, I, don't I know, know when I was when I was younger and my old man started getting into the craft brewery area, I would go in and get some free food, and all I'd have to do is drive him home. Yeah. And that's the one thing. Also, is a lot of times, you know, sometimes the adults will have their teenage kids or something like that mm-hmm. that are old enough to drive. You know, yeah. drive them and, and keep that's, them and safe. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Kids sixteen to twenty years old, yeah, they can't even yeah. like come and pick you up really anymore. Like they have to sit in the car. Yeah, or they have yeah. to just sit out in the car. So it's yeah. I, I thought it was a really unfortunate thing. I hope it doesn't happen. It doesn't uh, but uh, you know, call them up. Let yeah, them, let we them have know any how state you feel. senators listening, we say no. We yeah, say let no. your let your district rep know that thirty yeah. rack of sports is against one fifteen. Say no to one fifteen. All right, and uh, shout out to uh, Molar Brew Barn. Yeah, shout out to Northwest Ohio once again. If you have Ohio. if you have any breweries that you want to pitch to us, any breweries that you like. Any breweries that you want us to try a beer from, whether it's, you know, uh, Imperial Stout, it's a Red Ale, it's a Berliner Weiss, it's a Gosa, it's a Cabbage Cucumber Peach Beer, let us know. I'm interested to try it. So certainly something that's, uh, you know, we're certainly all ears. Reach out to us at 30 Rack Podcast on Facebook and at Twitter. Now to transition from some beer news to some national news and um unfortunately yesterday we lost what can only be described as one of the real ones uh kobe bryant and eight others including uh one of his daughters was killed in a helicopter crash in calabasas california uh kobe bryant was 41 just some notable stats from kobe one of the most 
well-known athletes around the world, the five-time NBA champ, two-time finals MVP, 2008 M- uh, NBA MVP, 18-time All-Star, four-time All-Star MVP, 11-time NBA first-teamer, was also one of only two players to play 20 seasons with just one team. Dirk was the other. Dirk was the other. Um, guys, as one of the most interesting days that I've ever seen, you know, it's certainly a tough day, but one of the most interesting days I've seen with the entire sports world and honestly mm-hmm. the entire world kind of coming together to mourn the loss of kind of a transcendent athlete and certainly someone that people of our age that, you know, grew up a little bit before, you know, uh, LeBron came in and, you know, after the Michael age, Kobe was the dude. I mean, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people throw trash in a trash can yelling, Kobe, Kobe. you don't know how many times, you know, Mamba mentality is one of those things that you could say anywhere in the world and people know what they're talking about. So certainly a sad day across sports, but I guess, what are your guys' thoughts on it? I mean, just... I've been tough. Yeah, I don't know. The last 24 hours has been weird. Um, hit me a little bit harder than I thought. I mean, I've been balling crying or anything. I didn't know Kobe personally, honestly. And so I thought I was kind of, the more I thought about it, I think, like Greg kind of mentioned, for our generation as a young basketball player growing up, you know, I anytime Kobe's games were on TV, that was a must see. We'd watch the games, you'd watch the highlights, and then you'd go out, practice your spin moves, your one legged step back, fadeaway jumpers. Um, so in a way he was kind of like, we all imitated him and in a way he's like a part of like, you know, I had a poster of him in my room. That was one of my prominent posters. Like he's just kind of a part of that childhood in some way. Um, you know, and I think like while we were growing up, he came in so young. So we kind of like, he grew up in the spotlight and obviously there were some bad things, great things. A lot in between. I mean, we all kind of kind of played out for us. We all kind of in some way felt like we were around that. Um, it was just interesting to see him grow, and um, it, it's it's obviously a tragedy. And it's ter- you know, terrible. And you know, part of that, like with him retiring, is we've kind of gotten to see this different side of Kobe that a lot of us never got to see. You know, he's he was funny, self-deprecating. Um, wouldn't want to listen to anybody else about basketball or just life. Right. Yeah, the interviews are amazing. Um, and so it's kind of really a shame we don't get to see how the rest of that would have played out. Um, honestly, the biggest thing when I really think about it hits me is the two girls, his daughter Gianna, and then um, I wrote it down just so I didn't get it wrong. Alicia. Yeah, sorry, Alyssa. I'll tell Otto Bali, her uh, teammate. Um, that's the one that really, those two hit home, just two people who really never, they're just, they're still learning to live. They never really got to right. live. Um, and obviously, besides those three, then there's six others as well. So the whole thing's just a complete tragedy. But, so um, many <clears throat> so many uh, parts of families that won't go back to their other parts of their immediate family. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, even hits more than family. I mean, obviously, you know, you guys aren't really, you know, basketball isn't your favorite sport unlike me and mm. i know it's one of those things i even got texts from people saying like sorry because i'm just like i'm such a fan of the game like basketball is easily my favorite sport and it's tough to see one of those guys that's you know one of the pillars of the game especially yeah. leave so soon he's one of those guys that you know we expected to see like a like a bill russell or a michael right. be able to talk about you know the new guys of the game you know 40 years from mm-hmm. now show up 
and it, it's it's really tough. And it's honestly one of those things that you know sometimes you'll see some of the you know big pillars of the game you know pass away, but usually yeah. you know they're a little bit older. I know one of the things in basketball is someone was like, well, you know, it was shocking when when Wilt died, but he was in his 60s. Mm-hmm. And you look for our generation, and you're like, I mean, what transcendent athletes have died this young? You know, there's not really... I mean, I was thinking, I was even just trying to think go back to a comparison. I was thinking, like, Thurman Munson, yeah, which Thurman we weren't Munson. around, and granted, it was a little different. I mean, he I was saw, still playing. I but. saw people come on Twitter that were comparing this to uh, Princess Diana, and, yeah. like, that, yeah, that, is, that is what this a is for people. our generation. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I truly have never, like watched the world stop like that right. before. It was weird to see, like, you know, usually when you're on social media, yeah, things are trending and it's like tens of thousands of people are tweeting about 100,000 people are but tweeting millions. about this. Literally at one point I saw 5.1 million, like, people, like, yeah, the entire world just, like, I mean, stopped. Well, Not- and the one thing is, like, you see sometimes, you know, especially, you know, NFL or MLB, you know, sometimes things like this happen. You'll see all the MLB teams tweet about it. You'll see, you yeah. know, all the MLB writers tweet about it. You saw everyone tweet about it. I right. mean, obviously, Kobe was a big, you know, AC Milan guy. He was he lived in Italy for a while. His his father played professionally. But you saw, yeah. I mean, like all of the soccer clubs tweeted mm-hmm. about it. Um, you saw shout outs from Neymar, who's a uh, who's a Brazilian player who plays in France at Paris Saint-Germain. He did a shout-out to him. Uh, Nick uh, Kyrgios, who's an Australian tennis player, shout out to do his warm-up in a Kobe jersey. I mean, these yeah. are guys all over the world in sports that were touched, you know, that were affected by Kobe's passing. But even, you know, guys that, you know, really had nothing to do with sports, you could talk to almost anybody in the world and you mm-hmm. could mention just one word, Kobe. And they know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, you're right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like you said, for our generation, grew up imitating him. Everybody fought who wanted to be Kobe, you know, when you're playing outside with your friends. Everybody got to be Kobe. It was a big deal. Um, Kobe on the video. I mean, we were the playing first video games. Yeah. yeah, the 2Ks, or my favorite was NBA Street Volume 2, him and Shaq in the lake. I mean, yeah, yeah mine was, was uh, what, uh, you know, one of the NBA Jam games had, right. you know, him and, him and Shaq together. Yeah. And it was like, for our generation, they were the two. I mean, that Lakers dynasty was our first dynasty, but that and the Yankees, that, yeah. that early, late '90s, early 2000s Yankees, and that Lakers dynasty there right then too was like so. Um, and then obviously we got to see him win a couple more championships later, um, but it was uh, yeah, it was shocking. I think the closest I've ever felt was probably the Jose Fernandez, um, but that wasn't the same. I was just I'm a huge baseball person, so that yeah. was. But I. Nothing, I've never been part of something like this. I mean, this is kind of almost not to compare the content of it necessarily, but I guess sports wise, probably the biggest thing since like OJ, that OJ thing or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. as, as, Every, as far as like. Yeah, the entire world just yeah. stopping. And I mean, it was one of those things that, you know. Every basketball team was taking, uh, at the beginning, they were taking either the 24 second shot clock violation or the eight second backcourt violation mm-hmm. to shout out to Kobe. And it was just. It was just amazing to see, you know, guys. And it was one of those things that was very cool to see some of the young guys because you saw the whole, you know, the whole spectrum of it. You saw guys like Vince and some of the older guys that had, you know, played with or against Kobe for so many years. And then you saw the young guys like the Trey Young who played in number eight, Doncic, you know, 
Giannis, who used to work out with you know Kobe during the summers and whatnot. You saw the guys that played with him and the guys that idolized him growing up kind of come together. You know, they're come together to what the league is right now. But he's a guy that had a, a you know had an effect on every single person in the league. You know, to get either that mentality or playing against them or how they affected everybody's career. It was crazy to see, you know, how that was affected. And, uh, you know, they did end up playing those games and it was kind of a weird day if you watched in the in, any yeah. of the NBA yesterday. Yeah. Uh, they did, in one piece of news, they did end up canceling the game tomorrow. Uh, Clippers at Lakers, the all-LA game, just, you know, Adam Silver in the NBA just said, you know, look, nobody on those teams is is in the right mind to play that game, especially, you know, all LA, in LA, Lakers, Kobe, all that stuff. Yeah, so. it's just oh, like yeah. when you when you think about that and the timing of all the timing of all of this, I think makes it so much more immensely difficult for what has happened immediately before mm-hmm. and after this. Yeah. Is that literally 12 hours before this has happened? LeBron James had Mamba Forever written on his shoes as he passed Kobe Bryant for third all-time on the NBA scoring list. Not 12 hours later, Kobe was gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, his last and, his last tweet, which was interesting, and you see a lot of the people, you know, Kobe's one of those people that has one of the biggest, I guess, stan social media groups that's just vicious about everyone. His last tweet was, you know, shout out to, to LeBron for passing. Mm. Uh, you heard... You know, Michael said he was like a little brother or son to me. Like he was, you know, he was someone that, you know, Kobe really looked up to. Mm-hmm. And it's just so many people. Yeah, I mean, you had, affected. you had all that. And then to have the Lakers' first scheduled game after that be the all-LA game, Clippers at Lakers, without Kobe Bryant on the earth, it's just, the timing for it just is horrible. So. Yeah, it's, uh. We'll uh we'll give more uh yeah. we'll give more shout outs to Kobe at yeah. the end of yeah. the show when we yeah. close the show today. Um our shout outs will be our favorite Kobe moment from you know from our lives. Uh tons to pick from. I think he's one of those guys that, you know, probably one of the top guys, especially in this day and age, that has more, you know, moments like, you know, like Kobe moments or, you know, you look at some of the best like Brady moments, mm-hmm. Peyton moments. Kobe has more, more of those than almost than- Probably any more than Michael. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just more notable things, even just more notable nights that you remember. So, we will pick that up at the end of our show. Um, from a surefire basketball Hall of Famer this year to the baseball Hall of Fame, the uh, MLB Hall of Fame class was announced this week. Uh, two people joined the Hall of Fame, getting at least seventy-five percent of the votes. Out of 397 voters, Derek Jeter got 396, getting 99.7% of the votes. Uh, Larry Walker also joined him with 304 out of 397 with 76.6% of the vote. So two new Hall of Famers on that. Uh, Some notable people that weren't elected, uh, three players in their eighth year of eligibility, Kurt Schilling, 70%, uh, Roger Clemens, 61%, and Barry Bonds, 60.7%. 60.7%. Guys, thoughts on first off, thoughts on the two new Hall of Famers. Um, Jeter, number one. I mean, yeah, offers ballot, obviously. Um, probably, you know, greatest offensive shortstop. I think you can make that argument of all yeah. time. Um, 
And then uh, I'm happy for Larry Walker. I think he's a guy who's been unfairly punished for playing at Coors Field for yeah. the majority of his career. This guy's he was a three-time batting champion, uh, 97 NL MVP. You still have to play half your games, right? On the road. You still do, and his splits are not that drastic. Um, I mean, there's some, but you know, I just think you know, and he was always a class act. Um, so I'm really, I was really excited when I heard Larry Walker got in because I know it was pretty. I mean, it was close. Yeah, he. So uh, you need two. 298 of the 397 to get in, so he got in by six votes. Yeah. Um, also, cool little aside by Larry Walker wearing the SpongeBob shirt during the SpongeBob uh, shirt was awesome. Yeah, during yeah, no yeah, ordinary yeah. sponge. <laughs> That's what it said. I mean, but yeah, I I think I'm just really happy for both of them. Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, Derek Jeter, uh, you know, can't can't say enough. Uh, Larry Walker uh, in 1997 when he was the National League MVP for Colorado. Hit 366, a career high 49 home runs, 130 RBIs, 720 slugging percentage. He won uh, that uh, NL batting crown, obviously, um, and then he would go on to win it again the next three years. So, so real, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, any Gold Glover, Silver yeah. Slugger. I mean, so he could do it I'm all. I'm surprised yeah. he didn't get more of the votes. Quite honestly, right. I did think it was a little crowded, but yeah. And that was in his last year of eligibility. Quick trivia for you guys. So two Hall of Famers, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker. Obviously, Jeter had the longer career. Larry Walker got to play in cores and was a little bit more of a power hitter. Right. Which one of those two players had more RBIs in their career, Zach? DJ. Um, yeah, I'm Derek Jeter. This was a trick question. God, they both had... 1,311 RBIs Holy in their career. Holy shit, they wow. had exactly the same? Exactly oh, the same. Oh, man, I didn't even realize. Damn. That's crazy. That is nuts. It's a fun little stat That's for you guys. That's a fun little stat to make us feel like fools. Uh, we also had, uh, so they'll be inducted July 26th uh, in Cooperstown um, with catcher Ted Simmons um, and uh, former Players Association head Marvin Miller. Uh, they were voted mm-hmm. in by the, uh, the, the modern committee. Which... They have all sorts of different commits. Yeah, Rotates yeah, yeah. every whenever they feel like it. Yeah. But, yeah. So uh, from the Hall of Famers to the not quite Hall of Famers, going out of, off of the seven players that got at least thirty percent of the vote. Obviously, seventy-five needed to get into the Hall of Fame, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Schilling, Bonds, and Clemens at sixty percent plus. Also rounding out um, in their third years of eligibility, Omar Vizquel got 52%, Scott Rowland got 35%, and then uh, in their fifth and sixth years, respectively, Billy Wagner, longtime closure, got 30, about 32%, and Gary Sheffield got 30.5%. Out of the seven that got at least 30%, which one of these guys, if any, do you see getting to that milestone I mean, before they get voted out. I mean, to me, they're all Hall of Famers, which is a crazy thing. Um, I would love to see Omar. I think what he did was as a defensive player is just, you know, Omar rivaled by Ozzy. Him and Ozzy Smith. Omar, ninth all-time in defensive yeah. uh, wins above replacement. So one of the top players all-time as far as Defensive. And he came around as a hitter later, but yeah, I mean, he, a lot of his offensive stats are longevity based. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, no, Josh, do you? I've I've kind of loosened up on 
oh, my I, opinion on this, actually. The steroids um, are done, in my opinion. you got to put them yes, in. Yeah, it, well, it's not even that uh, for me. It's Because I've I've been one that uh, at one point in my life was very hard on these guys should no, never so be allowed in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But uh, like with the, with the whole cheating scandal, and we'll get to that in a, in a minute, but it comes to where like cheating, if you have something on you or you have some system to where you know, okay, this type of pitch mm-hmm. is coming to this part of the plate. Right. That makes it a whole lot easier on you mechanically wise. Yeah. Steroids don't really do anything for you mechanically wise and don't give you any sort of like magic to know what's about to happen. It's a different type of cheating. And the other thing that I think is is big to know about, especially a guy like Barry Bonds. He never it, tested positive. Is one, he never tested positive. Two, uh, to speak of his other skills that weren't just right. hitting the ball far. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there was a video going around about the time the Hall of Fame voting was going on, and it was uh, bottom of the ninth, Giants down by one to the L.A. Dodgers. Coming to pitch was uh, just recently Cy Young pitcher oh, Eric Gagne. Eric Gagne, crazy at bat, who was, watched that. Who was throwing the yeah. ball, you know, 100 miles an hour, Bonds was able to spit on a breaking ball that was just out of the zone, able to spit on a fastball that was at almost 100 just inside, and then able to get out in front of it a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, enough to hook it foul, and then on the next pitch, crush it to center field to tie the game in a one-run game in the bottom of the ninth. Guy was clutch. That I mean, was unbelievable fastest when hands in baseball. And here's the thing. I just pulled up stats real quick. If we just want to look at like career highlights and awards, what's most people say about 2000 is when they suspect he started taking st- – okay, just to give you an idea. If we take anything from 2000, cut it out, he would still be um, – have been a eight-time All-Star. He still would have won three MVP awards. He would have won five gold gloves. Uh, he still would have won – Seven silver sluggers. We can go on and on. And I mean, he was a Hall of Famer before any of that. From, he was a 40 40 guy every from year. From 86 to uh, 99, he hit 288. His OPS was 968. <laughs> he had 445 home runs, uh, 460 stolen base, 423 doubles. Guy was just, I mean, a, a monster great defender. Regardless. A good defender until he started to get obviously bigger but and He got slower. bigger, yeah. But So, certainly a guy, I guess. He's it. From, I mean, I guess if you're going to give me one, I think he's just, I mean, yeah. we all remember. I mean, the, I've never seen anybody with hands like that, ever. I mean, I think that Eric Gagne, yeah. but I've watched that numerous times on YouTube. It's my favorite thing to watch. I mean, it's just, so cool. It's, it's just, so it's cool so to cool. watch this guy. Especially when we know what Gagne was on, too. <laughs> yeah. Um Last trivia question, actually, having to do with Barry Bonds. Who do you think had more, Larry Walker hits or Barry Bonds walks? Uh, Barry Bonds walks. The exact same number. <laughs> yeah, don't tell me this is the exact same number. Uh, okay, so Bond. Walker hits or Bonds know. walks? Bonds walks. Uh, I'll go Bonds walks, I guess. All right, so Larry Walker had 2,160 uh, hits yeah, in his career. Good. Barry Bonds had 2,558 walks Lord. in his career. Goodness. Well, maybe it was Almost one year. 400 more 
walks than Larry Walker had hits. He had 2,900 hits in his career, too. So could you imagine, like, he was on base, like, a ridiculous amount of time? Let's see. One, two, three, four. He had four years of over 150 walks and uh, a year of 198 and a a year of 232 walks. My favorite moment... Was when it, the bases were loaded and they would walk. He they yeah, walked in. They walked in a run instead of pitching to. If him. you ever want to find out the dominance of Barry Bonds just as a hitter, there are numerous outlets that have done. Would Barry Bonds be a Hall of Famer if he walked up to the plate without a bat? Because he was that good at getting on base. He had that good of a strike zone, and people were that fearful of him as a hitter from almost day one. I mean, think about this. 160, almost 163 career war. My God. Yeah, that's that's an insane. The average major, I think they said the cutoff is 75 is considered like the the average cutoff. Now, obviously, this guy's less and more, but like right. 75 is considered pretty much like as a Hall of Fame metric, and he had 100 and almost 63, 162.8, depending on. So the only other players with at least 150 war are... Ty Cobb, 151. Willie Mays, 156.4. And Babe Ruth, 162.1. <laughs> that's just how dominant yeah, that's, he was. Well, the that's only, just, you're on that list with those guys. Yeah, the yeah, only yeah. players in the top 20 in war that aren't in the Hall of Fame are Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez. Another one. I mean, 20, A-Rod. 21 is Albert Pujols. A-Rod so. was probably... That's a that's a discussion for another, that's a discussion yeah. for right. another time, right. and uh, be sure to tweet at us. We'll put on who do you think is the most deserving of the Hall of Fame. Obviously, Schilling has had his uh, Ugh, can't stand PR nightmares. Uh, Clemens has also been kind of swept up in the uh, PED scandal bonds, and then also we'll throw in Omar Vizquel, longtime Omar. Indian and uh, just absolute it. professional of the game. All right, moving on from the Hall of Fame to a little bit of Super Bowl props. We mentioned this nice. last week with uh, Josh and I on. For those of you that may not be as uh, in with the gambling crowd, I know I'm certainly not. Yeah, okay. Uh, there are a lot of weird props. I'm for, waiting for your body to come up floating in the river for some like unpaid gambling debts. Sorry, that was- no, that's probably true. <laughs> that's we're still like six months to a year before then. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, do you want to start with uh, some of the normal props for the game? I mean, we'll, we'll. I guess we'll we'll throw out the well first. The we, regular lines for the game. Yeah. So first, we're gonna do our picks for the game, just based on the, the betting lines. So, Josh, I'm gonna kick it over to you for our betting lines. Uh, all right, let me let me get it pulled up real quick. I'm still on my uh, my props page. So the 49ers um, are slight dogs in this. Uh, Kansas City's favored uh, by two. Two uh, opened even. Now Kansas City's been bet up to about two. Yep. Uh, so uh, money line on Kansas City is at uh, minus 125 plus 100 for the 49ers. The over under is sitting at an even 55 right now. Uh, so that's your, uh, your lines for the Super Bowl. Uh, and now, uh, we'll get into some of the, uh, the props for the game. Well, we want to make our picks real quick. Oh yeah. Zach, we're going over to you. Uh, who are you taking in the Super Bowl and are you taking the over or the under? 
I really want the Chiefs to win, but uh, I'm still old school believer defense wins championships. So I'm going to go with the Niners. Niners, and then uh, what, what did you say was the over-under? 55. 55. Over-under 55 points. Uh, I'm going to go slightly over. I am going to go over as well, but I'm going to go... Chiefs. Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes. I'm all for it. I want Andy to get his... Get his just ring, man. too much it. on offense. Don't trust Garoppolo after the first 10 plays to throw the ball. Yeah. Um, Kansas City is one of the teams that can just throw points out of nowhere. So much speed, so much explosiveness. Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable. I'm going to take the Chiefs and the over. And also, I, we might get to it, but Patrick Mahomes MVP. Not a bad bet, plus odds. Yeah. yeah, I am also going to take uh, the Chiefs and the over here. I just think the Chiefs are going to eventually overpower the 49ers, and the 49ers won't be able to uh, score on the Chiefs. Now, on to those prop bets. What, what? Uh, so, a couple of good, like, interesting ones about the game that I've seen. Um, total quarterback sacks by the 49ers defense the over under on that right now is sitting at two and a half uh odds to on the uh, on the over on this are plus 130 over uh so i'm definitely taking the over on that 49ers one of the best defensive fronts if not Mm -hmm. the best defensive front in the league they will get to Patrick Mahomes at least three times. And Mahomes is one of those no guys doubt. that's going to run around, try to make plays, try to yeah. let his receivers get down the field. I see at least three sacks plus money. Love that. For those of you that aren't super gambling, uh, plus odds, plus 130 means for every $100 you bet, you'd win $130. Minus 130 would mean you'd have to bet $130 to win $100. Back to you, Josh. So yeah, that's total quarterback sacks by the 49ers defense. Over, under is at two and a half. San Francisco has the second highest pressure rate in the NFL. Uh, Total first half points by the Kansas City Chiefs. Over, under is at 13 and a half. Um, uh, Experts are saying to take the under on this one. Greg, you're saying take the over, why? Two tutters, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, I would take the over, damn. Uh, I will tell you that the 49ers defense has allowed more than 10 points in the first half just four times this season, including the playoffs. So we'll see there. Uh, odds Two there words. Minus 110 Patrick each there. Mahomes. You're my homie? My uh, homie. <laughs> here's a pretty good one. Uh, this is a pretty regular prop bet, but one that's been pretty popular in the Super Bowl in years past. Will there be a two-point conversion attempt? Uh, it's plus 140 odds on yes right now. Uh, so with it being the last game of the season, teams are much more likely to go for those kind of plays. Um, the Chiefs, the the Chiefs, uh, (laughs) the Chiefs did it twice, uh, and, uh, the 49ers have done it five times, but this prop has hit in eight of the last 10 Super Bowls. Um, will Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes throw an interception? Yes. Odds at plus 110, no odds at minus 130. Uh, almost 71% of his pacifieds. Passes were classified as on target. Sorry, I'm reading ahead of my mouth right now. Uh, This is that interesting one we talked about earlier. Who will have more? Alex Ovechkin's, which, yes, the Washington Capitals' Alex Ovechkin, shots on goal, or Patrick Mahomes' touchdown passes. So Alex Ovechkin's shots on goals is at minus one and a half uh, with uh, 170 odds. Patrick Mahomes is plus 145. So... Patrick Mahomes just has to throw more touchdown passes than Alex Ovechkin has shots on goal. 
So that's an interesting one right mm. there. Um, and that kind of gets us into our, our weirder ones. I don't know if you guys have seen any weird ones you wanted to throw out there real uh, quick. First off, we have uh, two of my favorites. One is the coin toss. Uh, you're going to get minus 110 odds for heads or tails. For those of you that like to keep track of history, uh, let's see. Uh, five of the last six Super Bowls have gone up tails. So right now it's looking like tails never fails. But before that, the five Super Bowls before that, heads happen to take control. So looking like we're still in a little bit of a tails spin over here. So hey. I would take tails minus 110. Uh Josh, my other favorite one. Do you have the number for the over-under for the national anthem? Uh, I do not have uh, – that That was one of my weird ones is what color uh, will be the primary color of Demi Lovato's outfit. Um, but I did not get the over-under on length of uh, the national anthem. If you want to get that pulled up for me. Uh, right now the over-under is at – it is uh, 148. Right now I have the over-under of – uh, over two minutes is minus 260. Under two minutes is plus 175. Uh, Demi Lovato, in her last three national anthems, uh, her average is slightly over the 148 uh, threshold. The uh, her last time singing it, she went 210 on the national anthem. Dan, yeah, you like had a, a fucking problem. No, I feel like it's a Super Bowl. She's going to really draw it out. Another uh, very popular uh, that's kind of goes along with the coin toss one. Uh, this one always happens at the end of the game. Uh, color of the Gatorade that will be poured uh, on the coach. Okay. Uh, so I'll have you right now as a lime green or yellow opened as favorites at plus 280 odds. Uh, orange is second most likely yes. with plus 370 odds. Uh, you have red going at plus 50, plus 150. Uh, interesting this year. This one's usually a dog, but it's up there this year. Uh, water is coming in at plus 300. You guys remember water. Whoa, Andy Reid, big water guy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, blue, plus 500. And then uh, Mace, the best one? Mace Windu is the big dog here. Pur- Whoa. Purple Gatorade coming Hate in at Manning plus 1700. Grape Gatorade. So. Ugh. So there's those. Um, and then there are the very weird ones. Uh, I will say that they're not as weird as I saw last year. Last year had some pretty interesting ones. Um, will there be an Epstein didn't kill himself sign shown on TV? Definitely. Yes. Uh, I quite honestly, that could be a very good possibility. Uh, plus 500 odds for yes right now. Ooh, really? So, yeah. So oh. look at that. There are some good ones in here. Uh, Colin Kaepernick name mentioned during Super Bowl coverage. Has to be unless Roger Goodell gets to say. Right, and, and so mind, the answer's no. <laughs> mind you, these are all whistle-to-whistle, kickoff-to-end-of-game, mm-hmm. not coverage of, like, pregame or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kaepernick, to me, named a yes, opening at plus 100 odds, no, minus 130. Um, number of times the 49ers rough the passer, over one and a half. Oh, uh, yeah. Over-under is one and a half here. Take in over. O- over's plus 170 odds. Yeah. Another over you might want to take. Um, uh, the first cheerleader to be shown is always, uh, what the cheerleader from which team will be shown uh, first, uh, 49ers or chiefs. That's an even 110 odds for either. there. going to have to get some team photos to kind of figure that one out. <laughs> uh, number of women to claim they sleep with Jimmy Garoppolo during, during the Super Bowl week over under on one there. 
uh, over oh, is plus oh, 150. Again, over odds that are looking pretty good here, uh, they're plus 150. If that guy can't get laid during Super Bowl week, then we should never be able to get laid. Uh, I'm just <laughs> saying, have you seen the guy? And then it's Super Bowl. I'm that saying. chin line, oh my yeah. goodness. Um, will D Ford line up offsides? Uh, that is a uh, special prop <laughs> that that's out there. Uh, plus three hundred odds that he does. Oh, um, that sounds like. Speaking a of that, uh, I know just to throw it in. I know uh, one of the sports books has a prop bet on whether or not Kyle Shanahan will blow a twenty-eight to three lead. Ooh. For those of you that don't remember, he was Ooh. the offensive coordinator yeah, right. for the yeah. Falcons during the twenty-eight to three blow. Does he get tight butthole and just run it a bunch? He's gonna run the ball, but well, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there's uh, will Lizzo show up in a disgusting thong? Uh, plus five hundred odds for yes, minus a thousand odds for no. Um, <laughs> will uh, this was one that uh, Zach and I were like, you have to take this. Will Troy Aikman mention his oh. Super Bowl experiences? Minus two fifty for yes. Oh, you have to take that. That's he can't easy remember. Money. He can't remember them. That's easy but money. But he'll be like, people told me about them. Uh, there's this other weird one um, that is very specific. Uh, it's uh, will there be uh, will there be an animal on the field? But in parentheses, it says no birds. Well, yeah, because what about what, does an ostrich count? Oh man, now you're getting into. <laughs> I mean, hey, man, you're going to set these bets up. We need to have the semantics later. Uh, Plus 550 for yes, there will be an animal on the field. So that ain't bad there. I mean, like a fucking squirrel, right? I don't know. You can't really. Or uh, MetLife Stadium cat. Yeah, so you're thinking a squirrel, cat, uh, rally a possum. Yeah. Uh, But there's there's definitely some other interesting ones there. Um, there's, There's some pretty... Messed up ones as well. Here's my question about the Lizzo. <laughs> oh, one. really? Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. messed up ones, huh? But here's my question about the Lizzo one. So we we take the bet about the thong. I mean, are they checking? Like, whoever is in charge of this book, are they going down there and be like, "There's a few things about pull this your pants that down. I'm like, like, how are we gonna know? Maybe just if she like shows up for the halftime show and she's wearing one. I don't know. But I mean, like, maybe she's wearing like. Yeah, pants. I don't think I'd I take. I don't think I'd take. My that favorite one. prop bet out right now is: uh, Will anyone say they are going to Disney World? And yes, is the underdog here at plus one thirty odds? They always Someone say always that. Always says they're going to Disney. I'm World. going to Disney. I'm pretty Disney sure Disney. that's like a, a. That's the whole. They have yeah. to, right? I'm pretty sure they have to. They always record that. Uh, well, one of the things. Unless you're Ray Lewis, you get to go to Disney World. That's another yes. thing uh, that they have is: uh, Will the winning team travel to the Super Bowl or not? Or to travel the, to the White House. I hope not. they show up. Uh, <laughs> you have uh, to show up to win the yeah, game, Josh. Josh. Minus <laughs> minus five hundred uh, that the winning team will attend the White House. Plus three hundred that they won't attend the White House. Oh, I'm taking. So. I hope they don't. If they have any. Easy now. Uh, one of the uh, better Super Bowl MVP bets that i really like is who will the super bowl mvp thank first plus 125 is teammates plus 200 is god uh plus 800 you have either coach or family plus 1400 is owner or plus 400 is doesn't thank anyone i i would i would hope they would never thank anybody i'm gonna, I mean, I'm gonna go with, thank you back myself i did i'm it. gonna probably plus 200 god yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, just, that's, that's a very 
sports centric thing. Yeah. Uh, there's the video if they show the video of Andy Reid doing the punt pass kick. Um, that's oh, plus, that's that's plus two fifty that they'll show, show that. that. Really? Yeah, plus two fifty. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Dude, there's they show a lot that. They of, showed that like every week during <laughs> exactly. the playoffs. There's some. There's some. By the way, out there if, that you folks could e- may easily make some money. Oh, if yeah, you've been yeah, if you've been living under a rock and you haven't seen Andy Reid in the punt, pass, and kick competition, he's in this Rams uniform. You've done yourself and a disservice. Like, oh, you have watch. to look. That. I want he a poster like of it. Six I just want four post. compared to all these like <laughs> three foot kids. He looks like a mammoth of a he human being. He looks like being. a polar bear. Is what he oh, looks like compared to the and he's like twelve. Like you, like I'm not even say yeah. <laughs> Alrighty then, but uh, certainly a lot of interesting uh, bets there. Um, you know, cert- you have a bunch for the halftime show as well. You have uh, outfit malfunctions. You have uh, Alex Rodriguez being shown. You have DJ Khaled being shown. So DJ Khaled. So many cool Super Bowl preps or props. <laughs> Can you guys fucking talk? We can't talk. We can't talk. No, there's tonight. nothing We're today. Towards the end there's of the show. nothing today. So speaking of the end of the show, uh, be sure to mention all your favorite Super Bowl props at Thirty Rack Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, when you guys let us know. I certainly won't take parties. any of them. Let us know when you're out at your Super Bowl parties. Mention mention the podcast to your to your friends. And, hey, we uh, might have nothing going on too. So like, if you want to invite us to some Super Bowl parties, like that's cool. <laughs> all right, invite Zach to your <laughs> yeah, Super Bowl party. Zach to your, yeah. He, so, uh, we, we, he's 20 bucks an hour. You can contact Greg or I. Um, <laughs> if you wanted to come to a costume, those are a surcharge past yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So, he comes with a cage, though. Don't yeah, worry about no, yeah. it. <laughs> he's trained. He's trained. I come with a case of beer is what I come with. <laughs> but yeah, that's more than your case in general. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that moves us in to the final stage of our show. We're going to start yep. off as we like to do in our final segment. We have some issues with Ohio sports, world sports, life in general, but we're not going to go that crazy today. We're going to start off with Zach Zinger. Zach, who are you zinging in the sports world? Um, it was hard to think about, but um, I'm going to go ahead and zing my favorite family to zing uh, the Dolan family uh, and my Cleveland Indians. Um, once again, people haven't seen it. Uh, they sent out a statement thanking all of the... Um, the people who bought sweets for this upcoming season and you know how important they are and how they really understand how this is a business and people need to invest in it. Meanwhile, you have thousands of season ticket holders while those sweets are like practically empty night after night because it's fucking Cleveland. Who in Cleveland can afford a suite? Uh, um, LeBron? Oh, no, he's not there. Shit. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's just another tone deaf uh, Dolan thing to say to really just really piss everybody off, you know, complaining about the money when ev- the Reds are spending money. Everybody else is spending money. I know, Greg, not your Cubs, but everybody else is spending money. Um, Poor Tom Rickett. You know, once <laughs> again, just please, I hope to God they're just rumor every year is they're going to sell the team. I'm hoping they're going to sell this year so we can finally get an ownership group who can... I'm not saying they got to spend a lot of money. Just quit cutting payroll. There's no reason a major league franchise can't have a payroll of $160 million. I'm just saying. Every team should be able to... Every every team should be able to have $160 million payroll. So, once again, I'm singing the Dolans. Thanks, guys. 
All right, Josh, uh, do you have anyone that you're jeering this week? Uh, yes, Greg, I'm jeering the news. Um, this is not a fake news thing. This is just an irresponsible news thing uh, that TMZ did and ABC News did uh, with the whole handling of this whole thing. Like, you, you got it. Like, on a thing like that, like, you have to recognize who who that is and how and what how that you know you know give give families the appropriate well josh no, no notification you, you know why don't you tell everybody the situation i don't think people realize uh the, with the whole kobe situation yeah. um you know with tmz reporting the whole crash and everything and that kobe bryant was in the helicopter crash before uh the broward county sheriffs could even notify the family um that's just like in news today we're so obsessed with uh and media outlets are so obsessed with being the first and taking news stories and fitting things to our digital aesthetic and our digital agenda and everything and sometimes we just have to like let life you know play Mm -hmm. out first let those people grieve and be notified first i mean can you imagine finding out that you're never going to see your husband and daughter again uh, from like some tmz tabloid (laughs) report online right and then with ab i'm sitting and watching all that and trying to figure out just like the rest of us trying to figure out whether this is true or not and abc comes on and starts reporting that all of his kids were killed in the crash with him. And then you're like, that can't be true. There's no there's no way that, like something that awful could happen. Yeah. And so it's just like I, I I know I know how important it is to these news companies and media outlets that you be the first. But like sometimes it's important to just let people grieve and then let the rest of us know. Yeah. Well I mean And then think, get the facts right first. I mean know? I think like, like Golik and Wingo this morning, if you listen to that coming in, I mean they did a good job where they kept saying, Hey, we know there's more lives involved, but we're not gonna say the names until it's been officially confirmed. I think probably alluding yeah. to that fact that I mean it's just Journalism yeah, 101. Right. Confirm were, your sources. There were stray shots. I know yeah. Rick Fox and Rick Fox's family was stray shot all, all the time. You know, there were stray shots to the rest of Kobe's family. There were a number of people that were hit by stray shots that they were on there. So mm-hmm. certainly tough and certainly yeah. irresponsible. F- flying, just, a, flying a drone to get footage of LeBron stepping off the plane yeah. and like grieving with people. I mean, like. You know, we're all we're all grieving. And that and mm. it's not to say that these news outlets and media outlets that have covered Kobe for years and like you know, it's not to say that we're all not grieving, but let's focus on like letting the family grieve and being with them and just all grieving together instead of rushing to be the first and the best and right. worry about our how this affects our digital aesthetic. Exactly. That's my jeer. Alrighty, well from a jeer to my grumble, uh not quite as heavy as Josh, but still something that I think is is a very important issue. Um, I'm going after MLS kits, MLS jerseys, as some people call them, and their sponsors. Um, you know, there are advertisements everywhere. NBA has recently gotten to the advertisement game. You know, letting certain companies have a little bit of space. Obviously, soccer's a little bit more where they have it right across the middle of their jersey. And I feel like there's been some irresponsibleness by MLS, you know, letting a bunch of uh, multi-level marketing companies get into this and just kind of muddying the waters and basically just telling clubs, hey, whoever gives you the most money is correct. Because I think to, to a degree, 
you know, these aren't like the NBA jerseys where you can just wipe it off and sell a jersey without the, the right. patch yeah. that they have. This is right across the front of their jersey. I have a couple of crew jerseys that have, you know, the, um, you know, the company across the middle. Well, recently, you know, Inner Miami is starting to play soccer this year and they were taken as a sponsor by Qatar 2022. Now, Qatar <laughs> is taking the World Cup, but they have been in human the center rights. of numerous human rights violations from, you know, being against certain people being allowed in the United Arab Emirates uh, for using slave labor to build some of their stadiums, you know, with some of the labor dying and just kind of mushing that, you know, right. over. So it's one of those things that is just wrong by the MLS. Yeah. It's just it's is not, Herbalife? It's not in sound light. Herbalife oh, has one. Oh, yeah. All those, Go to hell, all those different ones. So there's Jeez. certainly a bunch of different. I don't even know if they're the worst. Like I mean, they there are not several be, of those well different yeah. multi-level marketing Jeez. companies. And I know there were two or three in there that have actually had to pay fines <laughs> for their you know transgressions. And it's just one of those things that you're marketing the wrong thing. And mm -hmm. honestly, you're probably hurting your bottom line because I know – my team, the crew, is looking for a new jersey saying, sponsor. They they haven't announced it well, yet. Well, who they, was it? It was Acura before oh, that. Okay. So it was, I mean, there are certain. What was FC's Mercy uh, There's Mercy Health. So there, I mean, there are certain teams, you know, I know uh, Montreal does like Bell. And, you know, yeah. there are a bunch of NBA teams that do, you know, certain things. I know the Cavs do Goodyear. Good and they're just companies. But when you do stuff like that, I think, one, it hurts, you know, uh probably a fan engagement because some of them you know obviously some people oh. don't want to engage with people that you know are taking mm -hmm. money from Qatar and then also it probably hurts your jersey sales because no. I wouldn't want to buy a jersey with Herbalife on it I wouldn't no. want to buy a jersey with Qatar 2022 no. and that's one of the things that worries me about Columbus is you know they've done a good job getting some you know some local companies in on it you know obviously had Acura which is fine car company mm -hmm. you know there have been some thoughts of them doing some of the you know columbus-based companies which would be fine but if they go down this road then i don't want to buy a jersey with an mlm no. or i don't want to buy a jersey with you know something like qatar that you know allows human rights violations to go on and it's just one of those things that's just irresponsible by the mls and something that the league and its clubs kind of need to take inventory of hey an extra little bit of money isn't worth the PR hit and isn't worth right. the, right. you know, the detractor from fans. Because in a sport that's trying desperately to grow and, you know, join the big four as one of the big leagues in the U.S., this is certainly not a step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what bothers me. Is, yeah, I just feel like you turn so many fans away from buying your merchandise and connecting and growing with your right. team. Plus, like, I think the weird thing out of – the big, well, I would say the big four, and then obviously MLS, I'd say out of those five leagues, it's kind of funny because I feel like it's just a generalization, but out of those leagues, your fan base, and I feel MLS is going to be much more socially conscious about things like that than yeah. like your NFL, Major yeah. League Baseball, NBA. And that's one of the things of you see a lot of the times because they have the, you know, the motifs and the certain mm -hmm. things where they call out social issues you know mm -hmm. i know orlando fc has the rainbow chairs for the you know the killings at the uh, at the nightclub in mm -hmm. orlando so it's one of those things where they're a lot more socially conscious right. and especially in a place like you know miami where there's you know a lot of flair and a lot of different people mm -hmm. 
supporting something like this is something that in a club that's taken years to take off is mm-hmm. really not going to help the yeah. team. Alrighty, from, I guess, one disappointing thing to just a sad thing, but something that we're going to try to put a positive mm-hmm. spin on. To end our show today, we are going to end with our shout-outs to be our Kobe memory shout-out. So we're going to start with you, Zach. What was your favorite Kobe, Kobe memory, I guess, growing up, seeing him in the league, out of the league? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say my favorite, honestly, my favorite memory was his last game. I thought the the 60-point night, um, you know, I just remember this last couple of years, he was just a shell of Kobe, wasn't the same Kobe. And then for one last night, he gave us vintage, badass, bad boy Mamba, just, you know, just completely took the night over. Um, you know, kind of, you know, reminded me of the Derek Jeter's last game, you know, where he had the walk-off hit. Just like it was a perfect ending to his career. Um, I, one other one, I would say, you know, Game 7 versus Celtics, when he got that one, you know, without Shaq, kind of yeah. like to really, yeah. like, put him, you know, over the top there. Um, those are my two favorite memories. Um, and then real quick... For my boy Murph, he wanted me to shout out Vince Carter, who turned 43 yesterday. One positive thing, and uh, yeah, well, the first longest... player to play in four decades. So shout out Vince, obviously, and then uh, rest in peace, Mamba. Yeah, one of the one of the few guys to to ever do stuff like that, especially at you know 38 to be able to score 60s, is yeah. unbelievable. Josh, what was your favorite Mamba moment? Uh, my favorite Mamba moment is from April 30th, 2006, and it's one of the most uh, replayed buzzer beaters uh, from Kobe out there. Uh, it's a playoff game against the Suns. Uh, Lakers facing elimination. It kind of been a rough year for the Lakers. Um, Kobe uh, gets the ball, starts to drive in, then steps back out, hits a three right at the buzzer for the win. Um, he would not stay out and celebrate. Um, that night he would go to the hospital and uh, see uh, CG born that mm. night. Oh, um, wow. Lakers would get uh, end up getting uh, knocked off um, in that playoff series. Um, so it's kind of mm. like the last like yeah. hoorah of the season for them. One of the most classic Kobe buzzer beaters out there. And then got out of there after a buzzer beater in the playoffs to go be with his family and see his daughter born, I think just encompasses like yeah. who Kobe is, you know, yeah. um, that's a good just one. glad to win the game and then glad to go be with his family. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, sometimes it's, it's kind of the overarching thought of the moment. Cause I, my first thought was the 81 point game that he had mm-hmm. yeah. and seeing the highlights, but yeah. honestly the one game that, they're the one moment that I remember that really sticks with me. And I've, I've watched this clip probably a dozen times in the last day because it's one of those that really stuck with me. You know, being a guy that tried to be a basketball player growing up, being a guy that really had no speed, no nothing, just had toughness. To see Kobe on April 12, 2013, when he tore his Achilles mm-hmm. tendon, you know, to see yeah. him down on the ground and to see him get back up and make those two free throws before yeah. he was subbed out of the game. It's one of those things that, you know, has really stuck with me. And, you know, a lot of times in life we go through, whether it's physical or emotional pain, and it's one of those things that, you know, going back to the Mamba mentality of yeah. just being able to get up and, and get done what you need to be done. And I know 
a number of times in my life as, as a young kid and, you know, going throughout my adult life have had some, some challenging moments. And it's one of those things that I come back to where, you know, if, if you can focus enough in that time to make two free throws with a torn Achilles tendon, I can focus for, you know, a day at work when I'm going mm -hmm. through something and I need to focus. I can, you know, I can get through this day. I can get through this week because I have that mentality. So mm -hmm. something, you know, something really cool to see Kobe just be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, he created that Mamba mentality and that is what has, you know, right. he created that thing that goes beyond the sport. And that's that Mamba mentality that has like said, inspired the passion, world. Passion, toughness, and I think everybody can always use a little bit of Kobe. Uh, uh, he's had such belief in himself that he's the baddest motherfucker on the planet. And sometimes I think we all need a little bit of that where you just believe and you're like, I, yeah, I, I, can, the I, can, I, can, I can get this done yeah. whether it's a test or mm -hmm. a job interview or just doing something in life. It's yep. pick up basketball, anything. If you go in with that belief, mm -hmm. you can be great. Yep. And I think that's a great place for us to leave yep. it off. Yeah, I we're gonna shout out to uh, uh, Moeller Brew Barn from Mary Stein, Ohio, uh, for our beer of the week this week, the Wally Post Red. Um, I would encourage uh, you as listeners. Mm -hmm. um, next time up. you're in a brewery, uh, give your friend a hug, crack open a cold one with your friends, yeah. tell your family you love them, uh, shoot something in the trash can, and yell Kobe. <laughs> Find us at Thirty Rack of Sports on Thirty Rack Podcast. And if you're drinking a on good Facebook beer, Facebook and Twitter. Tweet us out at 30 Rack of Sports. 30 Rack Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we will be back next week again recording on a Monday night that will come out Tuesday morning um, because of the Super Bowl. So go enjoy Super Bowl week um, from all of us at 30 Rack. We out. We out. Shout out to the Kobe Adidas Twos.